Hello, and welcome to Male Spouse Conversations. I am your host, Sybil Jones. Male Spouse Conversations is a group of military spouses and one military child hosting real, raw, real topics, real conversations. Yo, this show is not for the faint of heart. If you feel it, we feel it. If you think it, we think it. No topic is safe from discussion. Uncomfortable topics, yeah. Needed discussions, absolutely. Unforgettable conversations, you best believe it. So come on, join us as we, the conversation starters, come and give you some real raw, real topics, real conversations. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Meal Spouse Conversations. I'm Sybil, your host, and I have two fabulous ladies joining us today. Uh, Miss Rebecca Hyde, she is our marketing director here at Meal Spouse Conversations. And we also have a special guest, Miss Courtney Boyer. She is going to be giving us some great information. Um, We are recording this. This is a recording. This is not streaming live, but you're going to hear all about why here very soon. So I'm going to turn this interview over to Miss Rebecca to get the potty started. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me Let me sing my song. I actually could play my song today because it's a recording and it's not streaming live right? Because usually when it's streaming, I can't play it because Facebook. You might as well. That way people know where your crazy enthusiasm comes from. Okay. 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 So I I have, this is my song, y'all. This is my song real quick. Let me, let me just play it real quick. This song gets me pumped. It gets me pumped. Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. Okay. Here we go. This is what I deal with, y'all. <laughs> Woo! All right, all right, all right, all right. Are you crunk? Are you, are I'm, you crunk? You I'm, good? You crunk? I'm good, Nick. I'm good. All I'm right. good. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. All right. Ready. Hi, guys. I'm Becca. Um, like Sybil said, we're meeting with our friend Courtney, who is a relationship coach and sexuality educator. Um, Courtney? Tell us how, tell us about Courtney, who Courtney is, how you got started. I'm just, I'm turning it over to you. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you, Sybil. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, yeah. So thank you all for understanding why this is recorded. Um, I am, my husband in, we are stationed in Germany. And so we are several hours, six hours ahead of East coast time. And so they saved me having to get up at 2 AM to have to be live. So I'm so thankful to be here ladies and, um, for you accommodating me. Um, like Rebecca said, I am a uh, relationship coach and sexuality educator. Uh, I work predominantly with uh, overwhelmed and exhausted women who are seeking clarity and confidence in their relationships. Um, I specialize in sexuality issues. Um, So before I was a clinically trained uh, mental health and sex therapist, and then, you know, duty station number five or whatever, you had to move. And so my license uh, in Washington state didn't transfer to Texas. And um, so I just kind of started exploring other avenues and found um, coaching and really was drawn to that model and um, started 
practicing from the coaching model. So that's what I've been doing and um, speaking and writing articles and um, just really passionate about um, educating and equipping and empowering women. Awesome. And we love you for that because we need it, especially. <laughs> Thank you. Um, especially as military spouses, you know, we have a little bit of a different dynamic with our counterparts than civilian spouses do. I mean, everybody has their difficulties, of course, but as military spouses, you know, our dynamics include long separations, which that alone um, puts a strain on a relationship. And then there is the anticipation and I don't want to say expectation, but it really is of kind of what that homecoming is going to look like. And then sometimes we get our hopes so high and then there's expectations on both sides. And then we just kind of get deflated sometimes. Like it's always great, but it's not always how you imagine. Oh, um, and so I'm sure you've seen that a couple of times in your, in your experiences. Um, one of the things that um, I hope you can give us a little bit of clarity on is um, you know, you hear intimacy and you automatically think, ooh, sex, um, that's a big part of it. But as you know, there's more involved in that. There's intimate communication and things like that. Can you elaborate a little more on that and why it's important to have that intimate communication with our spouses? Right. Absolutely. So you can have sex without intimacy and you can have intimacy without sex. So intimacy itself just means closeness. And so that it has gotten kind of like become a euphemism for sex. Um, I remember, I think my grandma would say they were intimate. And I was like, yes. grandma, like, what are we talking about here? You know, <laughs> um, but absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I really um, work with my clients, especially when their spouse is about or their partner's about to deploy is <clears throat> figuring out a way that you can create that sense of intimacy, um, whether that is emotional intimacy. Obviously, you can't create a physical intimacy, um, but you can still create a sexual intimacy, um, financial intimacy, right? Just that closeness of communicating and just sharing your fears and sharing your thoughts and your concerns and um, just really being present in that relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for myself, and I'm just wondering if I'm, I, I choose to believe I'm not unique in this, but I kind of want your perspective on it. Um, when my husband and I, we did a geo batch tour, which I'm sure everybody probably knows, but for those of you that don't know, a geo batch is where the active duty member is in one location and the family stays in another for whatever reason. Um, Ours was through no fault of our own. It was a medical situation, which in my mind made it even harder because we didn't get to make that choice. The military made it for us. And they said, mm, you guys are going back to the States and we're keeping Sailor Hyde over here. So long story short, I tend to withdraw when mm -hmm. we're separated. Um, and it causes more marital issues. It, it causes us more conflict. I don't do well when we're apart because I need him. We've been together for 24 years and that is absolutely my better half. Mm -hmm. But when we're apart, instead of drawing closer because myself, I withdraw. Mm -hmm. um, and I know it's a protective factor, but I pull back from him and he needed that. Like when we were separated and he was over, so not, not separated, but you know what I mean? Physically right. separated. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it was hard on him because here he is with no family. It's just him. And I'm over here 
keeping him at arm's length because for me it's just easier if we don't have that closeness because I don't miss it I'm not sure if I'm making sense or not but oh yeah is this something that you see in other military marriages and if so um can you explain one why it's not healthy for the relationship because I know I learned the hard way that it's not and two how can people that are struggling with this um, this need to feel like you need to distance yourself from your spouse. How can people keep that from happening? Yeah. Um, I, you're not alone. That's totally normal. Um, I actually have seen, right, the pendulum go both ways. I see military spouses pull away and I see military spouses get super clingy, possessive, jealous. It's like they're a completely different person mm -hmm. when their partner is no longer there. And so um, certain things will trigger and cause them to react a certain way. So in your case of what you're talking about with, um, withdrawing our brain, like, so the number one job of our brain is to, oops, what happened? Sorry. Um, the number one job of our brain is to keep oh, us. I did that. I made you spotlight. Sorry. It's normal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the number one job of our brain is to keep us alive, right? Our unconscious mind is saying, stay safe, is to keep us safe and to keep us alive. When someone we love leaves, our brain, right in the background here, our unconscious mind, which operates 90 to 95% of our everyday choices and beliefs, it says, I bet he's going to leave you. I bet he's going to do something stupid to you. I bet he, whatever it is, right? It's total nonsense, but it's our brain's way of trying to protect us, right? So think of it like it, your brain is telling you to like armor up, okay? Mm -hmm. You need to put the armor on because we can't trust him because he's not over there. Even though, even if he's got an impeccable track record, right? Even if he's done all of the right things, if you have not dealt with uh, the, like the reasons uh, causing you to withdraw, you will continue to do that. So it, the, the long answer is, right, you got to deal with, I'm sorry, the short answer is you got to deal with whatever's pushing you to do that. The easiest way though to um, really address it is to be aware that that's happening, to be like, oh, I see what's happening. I know that he's got this, this situation coming up where he's going to be here. I'm going to be here. I need to be proactive because I know that I have a history of withdrawing and that is not good for a relationship. I, I fully believe it. It's not healthy. Yes. We, we need our space. Yes. That um, it's important to kind of like have our own thing and have our own situations and um, interests, but not when you emotionally withdraw and not when you like kind of check out of the marriage. And so um, I think the, First thing you do is bring awareness to it and say, okay, I know I have a history of doing this. I'm aware that this is gonna happen. What do I need to do in order to prevent myself from going into that mode? Mm -hmm. What can we do to set up um, communication? What can I do? And really what it comes down to is this fear. And so there's this underlying fear of, I'm afraid you're going to leave me. I'm afraid you're going to hurt me, right? As opposed to like the unconscious, just, oh, he's going to do these things to you. You're going to get hurt. When you identify them and you name them out loud and you share them, even if they seem silly and trivial, you just say, I'm, re I'm really scared that you're going to find somebody else. I'm really scared that you're not going to come back. I'm really scared that I'm going to be all alone. 
and working through those fears. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that was a lot of talking. <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. That's, okay. kind of, that's, that's what I needed you to do. I needed you to, you know, be able to, to reiterate that and to really drive that home. Um, I know for me, you know, as you were talking, I was sitting here trying to put a name to mine. Mm -hmm. And for me, thinking about it, it's not so much worrying about what he's going to do or if he's going to act out or or whatever. For me, it was more of I don't want to feel sad. I avoid sad at all costs. I don't watch sad movies. I don't read sad books. I don't listen to sad music because it's just a trigger for depression for me. So for me, I think it was, I don't want to feel like I'm missing you. I want to be able to, I'm making a conscious choice unconsciously, if that makes sense, but I'm making a choice to keep you at arm's length and not miss you. If I'm keeping you at arm's length, then I don't feel that loss. I don't feel that, that void as much. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did, and it's awful. And I apologize to him every day because I know how hard it was for him. Um, I, I, I can't say I understand how he felt because I wasn't him, but I can imagine how hard it was for him being overseas and having a spouse that did the push away game, you know, and, and I realized I was doing it and I would tell him, you know, I'm sorry. I know. I'm not present in our relationship right now. You know, my mind is a million other places. And that's another, mm -hmm. another thing I think that kind of, kind of made it worse is I'm a mom. Mm -hmm. So I've got 500,000 things going on here. He still needed attention there and I did not make him a priority. And I think that happens on both sides of the spectrum where the active duty member is so busy and they get caught up in their career and what's going on with the mission that sometimes they forget to make their spouse a priority when they can as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will say I tend um, to do it like right before deployment mm -hmm. of shutting everything out. And it, for me, it's, I use the excuses I'm preparing mm -hmm. myself to take care of everything mm -hmm. on my own. And, um, was telling Courtney before you hopped on Becca and, and Becca knows we're PCSing to San Diego and my husband will be on sea duty there. And mm -hmm. he, as a matter of fact, just the other day, because I told him what our topic was mm -hmm. and he was like, well, yeah, you, you need to make sure you listen to, <laughs> to Courtney and, and, you know, get, get some tips because I need you not to start pushing or pulling yourself away and mm -hmm. it, it is for me it's it's a it's preparing me mentally mm -hmm. to take That's over different. everything and to protect myself from not missing him so I'm gonna be um working on my list <laughs> to figure out how I'm gonna fix that <laughs> I think it's totally normal what what when you guys do that right like it is totally normal to preserve ourselves one thing I would encourage any anyone to do is to really examine why am I afraid to feel like so my husband was gone um, he just got back last month from a seven month deployment and um, this I think it, he left in June and I like packed my schedule because I was like and even like myself, who's been doing this work. I've done all the, you know, got all the education and everything. I, I still have times where I'm like, 
nope, just gonna pretend like everything's okay. We're just gonna soldier on and make it through. And my my um, mother-in-law was like, man, you guys are just so busy. You're doing all these trips and doing all these things. And I was like, mm-hmm. And it, I stopped later that night when I was finally by myself and was like, it's because I don't wanna feel. I don't wanna feel the sadness. I don't wanna feel the loneliness. And then once I realized what I was doing, right? Because you have like these good intentions, but in the back, you're like, oh, I know what you're doing. Like you're, you're totally in control of this. I was, I had to ask myself, do you trust yourself enough, Courtney, to feel the sadness and the loneliness? And I said, yeah, because they're just feelings. They are just feelings. They are just vibrations in my body. I am strong. I have these beliefs. I know that it's going to be okay. And it's okay to be sad. I don't have to pretend like I'm happy. I don't have to pretend like everything's going to be okay. I can break down now. The world will not end if I cry. I will not break down permanently. It's my body releasing this <laughs> and it's, and that's okay. And we need that. And we need to give ourselves permission to do that, but we have to trust ourselves first that we can handle that before we're, we can really accept that permission. And I think, especially as women, we put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect and to always have it together. Absolutely. Um, especially any woman in general, but I know for myself, especially being a mom, you know, I had, um, when my husband was overseas, I had a, a teenage son that had just graduated high school. And then I had two little girls that are looking to mom, you know, yeah. you got to keep it together. You're all we've got, you know? So I didn't feel like I had the luxury to have those meltdowns that I needed, the physical. And when I can cry after just a really good sob session and then a nap, I feel so much better. I yes. feel the weight of the world has been lifted off of me, but it's hard for me to give my percent, myself that permission to have a meltdown. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, and I think all women, we do need to kind of embrace the fact that it is okay to not be okay. It's okay mm -hmm. to have bad days and it is okay to feel those feelings. Absolutely. Um, as far as keeping that alive and keeping that intimacy, that intimate communication and things alive during a separation period, are there any tips or tricks that you've found that help with that kind of thing? Yes. So um, I always encourage, and, and I know it's hard because there's some deployments or some separations that come up like, I'm leaving 24 hours, right? And so you don't have the luxury to be like, well, let's sit down and like plan like a three course meal to talk about our life goals, right? Like that's not probable. And like with my husband, his deployment date kept getting pushed back because of the pandemic and everything. And so we're like, oh wait, okay. Uh, 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 it just oh, no. felt so weird, you know? And um, so I, we'd start to have these conversations and then we'd be like, oh, well, we don't have to deal with that now. So I guess we'll kind of wait. Um, so what I encourage my um, anybody to do is to figure out a time where you can have these this expectation talk. And you're like, okay, so what's the expectations? Is the expectation that you're going to text me every day, you know, depending on location, depending on service, depending on access to phones. Um, there's so many different variables. And thankfully, you know, nowadays we have that ability to, to have that access to technology. But like my... I was really not prepared for the 
crappy internet connection that my husband had in this last deployment. Like no, that wasn't even on my radar. And it was so frustrating because it was like, hello, 10 seconds later, hello, like the delay. And then it would, the kids, cause my kids are, um, you know, early, I'm sorry, late elementary or middle school. And they're like, what? I, I can't understand dad. Like what, you know? And so then they'd get frustrated and then I get frustrated because I'm like, you're not talking to your dad. And then we couldn't do any video because it was like, uh, 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 uh. Oh, no. you know, I was like, I swear astronauts in space have better satellite <laughs> communication than we do right now. From so, the right. <laughs> and so, right. There's some things you just can't prepare for. And so, but the things that you can prepare, like, Hey, we need to text or we need to call, or we need to video every day, week, twice a week, whatever it is. Like have some type of expectation and have some grace for if there is technology or access issues that you can be like, oh, I know that he's committed to this and there, there's something going on where he's not able to do that or she's not able to do that. So I'm going to go ahead and give them the benefit of the doubt. And that is one thing that I think we're, as humans, we always, we tend to go to the negative. Oh, well, he didn't, can call me today, obviously, you know, don't love me anymore. And uh, we're basically getting divorced. And instead of like, hey, there was a bomb and we had to take shelter, <laughs> right? Like a lot of times the our partner's actions have nothing to do with us. And it has everything to do with the situation they're in. And one, they can't communicate that to us because of, you know, OPSEC or safety issues. Two, because maybe they just like are just so reacting and you know, uh, trying to figure out what process, what just happened. And so not making it about us, that, that is a really easy thing that easy, right? Not necessarily easy, but, you know, trying to get like, am I making this about me? Mm -hmm. I think I am. Um, and then also asking, what am I making it mean? Like, what am I making it mean that I've only heard from him twice a day? Or what am I making it mean that she didn't send a card for my birthday or right? Like, we like to make meaning out of everything. And we like to make the meaning not usually great about the person that we feel like slighted by. Um, so do the check-in before if you can. Try to set up some expectations. Um, and then also talk about, um, I like to do weekly check-ins. So once a week, hopefully, you know, it's consistently, maybe it's on Sunday when you know that your partner has a, a good chunk of time, maybe it's 10, 20 minutes where you can be like, how can I meet your needs for this upcoming week emotionally? How can I meet your needs sexually? How can I meet your needs financially? Whatever it is, right? Like, what can I do to serve you? What can I do to encourage you? What can I do to support you? Um, and then they ask that of you as well. And, and be honest, like share, be like, you know what? I am really feeling like I'm sucking as a mom this week. And so if you could just like send me some messages or like, I don't like send me flowers or, you know, we think that our partners should be able to read our minds and that's where resentment sets in. And when they don't, then I can't believe you did it, blah, blah, blah. Right. And you're they're like, I didn't even know you liked those things. And <laughs> make that mean, right? That we must not be lovable and we're, our marriage is going to fail or our relationship is doomed. And that's guilty over here, over here. Me too. Those, oh, expectations, those, those expectations of what we think they know. And another thing that we've kind of 
um, that we've run into, and this this goes back to having that intimate communication. You know, when we talk about having those intimate communications, in my mind, that includes everything. Like I should be close enough to my husband to be able to tell him my needs, no matter how minute they may seem or how dumb they may seem. And and I struggle with that sometimes myself because they sound dumb to me even though I need them I'm like he is going to shrivel his nose up and be like what is this crazy woman even talking about (laughs) Uh, so but but one of our big things too um and Courtney you can probably elaborate on this a little bit better as well especially since you're you're a mom um I forget to tell him things and I assume he knows like I forget to tell him things that are going on in the house with the kids with my work or whatever and I assume like I forget he doesn't see everything that's going on so I have to kind of I have to be his eyes Mm -hmm. for what's happening and I have to communicate that to him and there were times where I'd forget to tell him one of the kids had a school play Mm -hmm. and after the school play, I'll be like, oh, you know, little one did so good in the school play. You know, she was a star. She was this, she was that. And he's like, I didn't even know she had a school play. What are you, what are you talking about? Um, and that, that kind of sets up that resentment you were talking about, I think. And, and it wasn't intentional on my part. Um, and even now, you know, he's he retired back in June of last year. He's been home almost a year. And even now, it's hard for me not to make snap decisions about the kids without mm-hmm. and remember to consult him. It's hard for me to get back into that mode of I'm not soloing it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't call it single momming it because I'm not single. But, you know, I'm solo momming is what yeah, I call so it. And I have to remember, I'm not soloing it anymore. I have a counterpart. I have their dad. I've got my partner, my best friend, you know, and I need to include him in these things. So is there, um, do you also see a correlation between that and the intimacy as far as being able to discuss everything, even down to family problems and family issues and things like that? Do you consider that to be part of the intimate conversation or do you think it should be more personalized? Um, let, well, let me answer what I think you're asking. So what I have found is that the more insecure we are as people, the tougher it is to have intimate conversations with our partners mm-hmm. because we don't, we have this like, that's stupid. He's going to think you're weird. She's going to think you're a freak, I don't know, whatever, like, you know, we, we have, when we are insecure and we don't see ourselves as lovable and worthy, then we are so good at creating that distance by not engaging in those intimate emotional conversations. Okay. And we, we self-sabotage. We're like, oh, I didn't tell you because I didn't think you'd want to come and right. And then it, then that causes conflict and it's like, see, nope, not lovable. They're going to leave. You know, I mean, that's an extreme example, but you yeah, know, but it's that, probably very real. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's probably, I know in the beginning of my marriage and even probably up into the decades, like we've been, we've been married 24 years this year, but I would say even 14, 15 mark, I still had that insecurity of, you know, I wasn't happy with myself and it wasn't fair for me to push my insecurities off on him, but it kind of seems to slide that way, whether you want it to or not. Yeah. Um, 
and I, I want to prevent other military spouses from having to go through that to have you know having to go through the the problems of intimacy and marriage and and having to go through the communication issues because life's hard enough mm -hmm. and you know I can communicate with anybody but I have the hardest time communicating with my spouse we can talk all day long but yeah. when it comes to personal things that bother me, my personal failures, things like that, it is hard for me to talk to him about it. And it shouldn't be. He should be the easiest person. And I'm sure other people, hopefully I'm not alone in this, other people, <laughs> other people go through the same thing. So if you were talking to a person such as myself mm -hmm. that has those problems opening up to our spouse and really being vulnerable what are some things that our listeners can do to help themselves not be so vulnerable with their, with their spouses? You mean to be more vulnerable? Or, I'm sorry, help them to be able to be more vulnerable and to open up and, and be in that intimate conversation with their spouses. I think the things that you can do is to like, <clears throat> figure out what it's really about. So I used to do couples counseling and I still will work with couples. Um, it's just not predominantly who I work with now, but when I would work with couples, I'd have them come in and, um, and be like, so what, what was the issue this week? And they're like, well, he came home from work and asked me what was for dinner. And, and he was like, yeah, she just totally lost it on me. And I was like, cause you asked her what was for dinner. And she was like, can you believe that? And I was like, okay. Do you see this isn't about dinner? Like this is not about what's for dinner. It's not how he asked you. It's not when he asked you. There's a whole big issue underneath it. Mm -hmm. And that's what, what essentially is happening here is there's the issue that I don't, I'm not vulnerable enough or I don't feel comfortable enough having this intimate communication with my partner. What's the big issue underneath it? And for a lot of women, it's what, what we said earlier is, they're, they don't see themselves as worthy. They see themselves as powerless. They see themselves as unlovable and they see themselves as like, like no good. And so they give up um, all of this, all of their worth and they give it to the other person. And they're like, now it's your job to make me feel like I matter. And then when they don't do that, and they, because that's one, it's impossible for any one person to do. Right. Um, it just proves to them that like, see the person that is supposed to love me the most and accept me the most can't even do that. And so answering your question, they need to look and see what it is that they really don't like about themselves or what they really, what that core belief is. Is it like, I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. Like I'm, I'm no good. I'm whatever. Like look at what that underlying issue is and figure out where it came from. Like I do this with my clients. So I have a really like laser focused process in doing it. Um, you can do it on your own. It just takes longer. If you work with a professional, it can go a lot faster. Um, so it just kind of depends on how committed you are to really getting to this issue. And once you get to that issue and realize what it is that is like causing these problems, I like to use the, uh, the garden analogy a lot, right? Like you have this garden and it might be absolutely beautiful, but you've got these massive weeds over here that keep just overshadowing your gorgeous rose bush. And <clears throat> until you get down and pick it out from the roots, it will continue 
to overshadow and to suck the life out of that rose bush. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to be able to have that rose bush shine and be able to communicate and have that closeness, you got to get rid of the weeds. That makes a lot of sense. Lot and, of sense. Yes. and it, it, it clarifies for me why I have trouble as my husband, my husband always says, you just don't communicate with me. You talk to me, right. but you don't communicate. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense to me because a lot of times I do struggle with feeling like I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. um, I've got so many irons in the fire and I'm not enough here or I'm not enough here or I'm not enough there. So it makes complete sense. So what, what I feel like from talking with you is that if, and this is just me and I'm not a professional and I could be wrong, but would you tell listeners if you're having communication problems with your spouse, if you're having trouble having those intimate communication problems, is it safe to say that everyone should kind of start looking under their own rose bush first and see if there are issues there? Absolutely. I have, it's funny because I had um, actually a woman, a client who came to me and she was like, so my husband really, um, like said that I needed to go see a therapist or a counselor or coach, whatever you are. And I was like, okay. And she was like, um, but like, I just want to let you know, it's really him. Like he's oh, the one. Wow. The Red flag. And I was like, okay, um, well, since we're not doing couples therapy, um, why don't we see what we can work on and improve, right? Let's, let's see what we can discover about ourselves, And, and not from like a, I, I never ever tell my clients that I'm here to fix you because I don't see them as broken. Mm -hmm. I see them as ill-equipped. Mm -hmm. Like at some point, someone did not give you the tools for your toolbox to be able to handle these situations or to be able to look at it and, and figure this out. And that's not your fault. It just, didn't get deposited. And so what I do is I deposit and help them and, you know, like figure out what they need and is missing in that toolbox. And that's what I did with this client is that she kind of came as like, I'm a problem fixer and I, I'm not, I, I'm not a fixer. Like I walk with my clients, I encourage them, I equip them and empower them on their journey. And so I would absolutely recommend anyone, even, even myself, like I have a coach, like I work with someone because even in the most gorgeous of gardens who have all like, there's still weeds that pop up, right? Mm -hmm. They might not be massively like overpowering the, that beautiful rose bush anymore, but that's what happens as we evolve and we continue to get the sunshine and the rain. Like that's just part of life. And so that's why it's so important to be aware of like, Hey, what do I have going on in my, my stuff in my garden? Because I I've always going to be changing and growing. And with that comes issues. And that doesn't mean that you're right. You're a chronic problem person or right. You're, you're always a failure. It just means you're human. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. I absolutely agree. And I love it. And Courtney, I know you have programs available to help people like myself that have lots of weeds in my garden. <laughs> weeds. I didn't even know I had until I talked to you and I, right. I so appreciate this. This was amazing. You know, you and I have talked before about, um, my going through your program and right now I feel like I need it more than I felt like I needed it when we talked and I knew I needed it then, but now it's like, no, I, I really need her. Um, so, um, before we close out, if you had to give our spouses one piece of advice about intimate, um, keeping the intimacy alive, that intimate conversation with your spouse, what 
piece of advice would you offer them? I would say um, vulnerability begets vulnerability. And so you can be, I know for especially a lot of, um, I'm married to a soldier. I know you guys um, are Navy and it's not the most vulnerable, right? Line of work and right, like that's the toughness. And I know that that can be a struggle and, and feel like a wall, but I, I have found within my own marriage of 16 years that the more I role model for my spouse and for my kids, uh-huh. the more he finds it safe to share with me. And then that starts to develop and, and I don't get mad at him. Like I meet him where he's at. Uh-huh. So I guess the, the encouragement for your listeners would be to, um, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to feel right to, to be scared, to be vulnerable. It's normal to do that, right. To dip your foot and be like, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. <laughs> um, but it's also worth it, right? Like I just, you know, there's that saying it is better to have loved and, and have lost than to have never loved at all. And, and I feel like it's just so true, not necessarily even falling in love, but just loving other people and knowing like, yeah, I could absolutely get hurt, but I am strong enough to face that. And I'm not going to let it harden my heart. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That is amazing mm-hmm. advice. And I love, I haven't heard that quote in a long time, but I love it. It's a, it, it's a really good, a good quote. Um, so tell our listeners if they're having problems or they just need somebody to help them pick the weeds in their garden, how do they, how do they find Courtney? How can they get the help that they need? So, um, my website is, uh, the stepping stones coach.com. And then my, I'm on Instagram and Facebook at the stepping stones coach. Um, my email is the stepping stones coach at gmail.com. So there's kind of a theme here. Um, I love it. Look, (laughs) right. We riding her down. (laughs) It's, it's an honor to work with military spouses because it's just, we are such a small population, even though it feels so spread out, but really like we are just some the most incredible people I've ever met. And it is such a, a gift to be on this journey and, and meet amazing spouses like you guys. And yeah, so thank you. That is definitely the best part of being a military spouse mm-hmm. is the friends, the sisters, the brothers that I've made along the way. And the military spouse community is just such a giving and loving community as a whole. Absolutely. Um, I can't imagine being a, a part of, of any a better group than the one that I'm in. Um, and thank you, Courtney, for being a sister and a friend and and for being in our corner and for coming on today and speaking with us. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Again, guys, if you need help, you need help with that vulnerability or plucking the weeds out of your garden, contact oh, no, my friend me. Courtney. Yes. Sybil, what did you say? I missed you. Pulling those weeds. Pulling those <laughs> you got to do the dance while you're doing it too. Because yes. you're <laughs> well, thanks again, Courtney. I appreciate everything. Um, and we'll definitely stay in touch with you. I'm sure I'd love to have you on the show again. I'm sure you've got many more tips. Thank you. Uh, and, and tricks of the trade that you could share. And we really appreciate it. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much, Courtney. Be sure to check her out. The Stepping Stone Coach. She's online, Instagram, Facebook, find her, let her <laughs> help you pluck those weeds. Okay. Cause look, I need to pluck some weeds too, girlfriend. <laughs> now, right now I see, I'm like, man, I need some roundup. <laughs> <Right? laughs>
Plucking's not gonna help. I need to spray. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. And we will see you later. Peace out. Next Thursday. We're gonna see them Thursday. What's the date and time? 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, the date exactly is February the 18th. Yes. Yes, we will um, be streaming live. We, as a matter of fact, we stream live every first and third Thursday of the month. So just find us, Mill Spouse Conversations Facebook page. Becca will be leading the discussion. It is going to be the continuation of talking about intimacy. All right. All right. Bye, Bye guys. <laughs>